welcome to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. I could have been called Sonny Ray. That would have been good too, but I'm Hardy White. Join me now, won't you, for a full hour of being together, of being in each other's lives. Oh, what a blessing it is to be here with you. I'm so thankful for you. I appreciate you. There'll never be another you. Oh, I'm sorry, I mistook you for somebody else. I thought you were, good Lord, you look like them. Oh, geez, why are you moving the furniture? Hey, you're just in time. You can do my Miss Fitness routine on my favorite YouTube channel with me. Semi-hard intensity interval training. I like this one because it's for people like myself who don't need results. These are a series of short duration power postures designed to fool the mind somehow. It's not for the meek. I think I can handle it. It's as hard or even harder than that underground Jane Fonda free jazz exercise tape you had where they exhaust themselves in an ecstatic frenzy to Dolphy. Yeah, that's intense. All right, I'll put this on. My first experience with Robux was the Calber Shadow. Oh, skip ad. Round one. Get ready. Here we go. First exercise. Butcher wipes. Oh, what? Lord. Stand by. Okay. What are these? Rest. Oh, really? Next exercise. Dead man's planets. Oh, ugh. Get ready. Rest. I can't even tell what they're doing. Whoa! Yes! Yes! You okay? Next exercise. All right. Full bend shoulder demons. Oh, get ready. I don't think I can even. I'm not. Oh, nope. Nope. This is making me oh. tired. Rest. Oh, I earned this one. Whoa, yeah. Not that kind. Woo! Feeling good. Fire it up. Ooh, man. Got the endorphins, I guess, or something. I'm gonna take a Next nap. Next exercise. All right, all right. JC Weeper. Oh, my. Okay. Get ready. All right. It gets all mental. A lot of it's mental. Well, here we go. Oh, I feel a little sick. Wow. Yes. Next exercise. All oh, these rests are getting shorter. Crack ups. Oh, I'm Rest. gonna skip the crack ups. What? They did too. I don't think this is real. Well, I'm gonna use this time to just to sit down and collect my thoughts for a minute. End days extension right side. Oh, end days extensions. Rest. Oh, good. We don't have to do those either. All right, that did absolutely nothing. Not true. Everything does something. The Cause of Everything by Hardy White. Nephew wanted Uncle Hardy to read him a story. Read me a story, Uncle Hardy. All right, I will, said Hardy. This time, I want it to be an adventure. An adventure, you say, said Hardy. Say, I can think of an adventure that doesn't involve a book. An adventure that doesn't involve a book? Nephew was confused. He thought all interesting things happened in other people's lives, and they wrote it down, and then Hardy just read to him about it. Sometimes we can go on our own adventures, said Hardy. Why don't I show you the family secret and then take you into the woods? That sounds terrifying, said Nephew. Sometimes we need to do things that sound scary if we want to have an adventure. Don't worry, I will protect you. That's what worries me, said Nephew, and they set off. The oceans and the sea Are the world's pea 
something to show you. Nephew followed Uncle Hardy into the living room. The living room was the size of a normal living room. Hardy gestured towards an object on the floor. Go over and open that trunk, he said. He was pointing at a trunk. The trunk was big and steamy like a steamer trunk. It was painted all sorts of exotic colors. There were pictures of Nancy from the comic strip on it as well as elephants and dinosaurs. What'll happen if I open it, said Nephew. Is something going to jump out at me? Oh, I don't think any more, said Hardy. The monkey is long dead. I'm just kidding. But already Nephew was running. Don't run away. Come on, open it up. Nephew gently opened the lid of the trunk. And what he saw amazed him. So sorry. Uh, can I get you to speak up? Uh, I'm in hell right now, believe it or not. And just the so loud here with the screams of the damned, and uh, I think there's some sort of sporting event going on. So you just speak up a little bit. I can barely hear you. Oh, yes, it is. It's a tortured den. It's a den of lost souls and. Uh, Oh, okay. Yes, I can uh, totally meet for lunch. Uh, I don't know. It's going to take me a while. I'm way down on the, uh, one of the, I think the fifth room. All righty, though. into the trunk and he saw this thing shining like a thousand shiny things shining in the sun. What is it? He asked Uncle Hardy. That 
is a wizard's robe, said Hardy. Go ahead and take it out. Nephew took it out excitedly. <gasps> Are we wizards? Well, not we, said Uncle Hardy. I am. You're not. Uh, but I thought you'd want to see my robe. And maybe we could go on an adventure together. And it's always great to have a wizard by your side. Oh, said Nephew, slightly disappointed. Uncle Hardy realized that he was sad, that he didn't have magic powers, and he was a big loser, just like his side of the family, and he was not magical like Hardy. Listen, nephew, said Hardy, sometimes it's just wonderful to be around magic and magnetic people that have adventures and things like that. Why can't you be content to sort of just ride along and write things down that I say that might be interesting? Or sometimes we need someone to hold the rope or weigh down some kind of seesaw thing so I can go get some gold for my gold collection. So come with me. We're going to go on an adventure together. Second thought, said Nephew, I would like to stay here and read poetry. Come on, we've gone this far. I've already put on my wizard regalia. And Hardy had. He looked like he was going to cap somebody at a Ph.D. ceremony for people that were learning magic, but not real magic, magic that they thought was real, but really there was something wrong with them. They were living in a fantasy world. Come with me into the woods. Where are we going? Well, we're going on an adventure. All right. Are we going into another dimension? Yeah, I thought it'd be quicker. Uh... Just to get to the food court? Well, you know, I, you know, going through another dimension sometimes is the best way to get to something ordinary like the food court. You can make anything into an adventure when your car breaks down. Because all of a sudden you have to do things differently than you were doing them. And that makes it an adventure. Listen, all the things you used to read about when you were a kid, and I did. I read Treasure Island and Robert Louis Stevenson. And Robert Louis Stevenson has picture painted by John Singer Sargent. So Robert Louis Stevenson thought, hey, I wish I was a young child and I was on a pirate ship and I was hiding in an apple barrel and I'd eat myself sick on apples and vomited. And that's how the pirates caught me. And they said, you're going to be one of our pirates. We're calling you baby, little baby pirate. And you come along with our adventures. And they went to Pirate Island. And there they met some guy named Blind Pew because he was could not detect his own odor. He was nose blind Pew. And they said, fella, listen, we got something for you. And that's how the Old Spice commercials come up with all that fanciful stuff. That's Robert Louis Stevenson. Some of it's H.G. Wells. And they were more imaginative back then. Nowadays, when we tell stories to children like I'm doing to you, nephew, we feel the need to maybe have some kind of message. And the only message in stories when I was young was be afraid. Because sometimes you're not afraid enough. So oh, I feel like I'm terrified of everything. Then you're good. Then this is not for you. Uh, I don't know. Whatever I find as a human, whatever state I'm in, it's the wrong one for the moment. They say, oh, you're not being afraid enough. All right. You're not being joyful enough. All right. How about now? Now you're being too joyful. I'm just trying my best. <laughs> Hardy's radio show where the elite meet to beat the street. Heat, Pete, Lou speaking. Hardy's not here. Oh, hey, Hardy. How are you? Yep, everything here is just like you left it. Right. Actually, more like you left it a year ago since the whole back patio collapsed. You wouldn't even know it was even there. Oh, no, everybody's okay. Who knows how it happened? Right in the middle of the strongman contest we were hosting, and the person lifts the thousand pounds, and just as he drops it, boom, the deck collapses for no reason. Okay, 
I'll get my head examined. I'm due. Yeah, Butchie's here. He wants to talk to you. What? Hello? No, I don't care. Okay, okay. How much water should I give it? Also, if it dies, it isn't because I didn't give it water. As far as you know, I did. All right. <laughs> it's hold the fort, not hold down the fort, you idiot. <laughs> All right. All right, take care of yourself. Don't hurry back. What did he say? He said you're an idiot. No, you said that. Well, he implied it by describing you and the things you do. Fair. Say, Butch, I booked another contest for the... Is this a radio show or a bar? It's not a physical place. Well, the studio is. I mean, we're real. Okay, it's a bar or a jail cell in Atlantis. Oh, that's more imaginative. But I don't think Hardy would go for that. We already wrecked the patio. Changing the whole place into a prison in an imaginary past, that's a big change. Change with the market or die? People aren't interested in radio bars anymore. No. No. They want stories of suffering and hopelessness. But all that can be found in bars. You don't need to go to prison for that. Anyway, I want to host a singing contest. The Miracle of Birth. From the beginning, human beings have wondered, where do babies come from? It is said that before this riddle was solved, there was no one to solve it. But from countless eons of knowledge and practice, not just humans, but all living things now know from where they come. Professor Spinoza explains. It's this simple. I stick a spoon in a glass of water and boom, a human is created in another dimension. I don't know where the spoon goes. How does this work, Professor? I have no idea, but that's what happens. It's like, I don't know why bass eat rubber worms, but I trust that every time I go fishing, they do, and I keep buying the bass laws that look like purple snot gummies and smell like grape, and I keep coming home with bass that I feed to the dog because none of us like it. Sue me. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. What? Edit that audio for those school documentaries. The miracle oh, it's not that of bad. Birth. Oh, hurry, I feel like I'm doing good. When you are part of the cause of the universe being weird and contradictory because you did something reckless with a time machine that was really Lou Register's idea, then you feel a sort of obligation to make things a little better for people who have been plunged into just such a messed up, contradictory, unjust world which they did nothing to deserve. I love it. We all find motivation. When I'm at work lifting boxes, I think, how zen is this? How does this work, Professor? How, how so? Uh, no reason. I just think the thought for its own sake. Then I do it again. Sometimes I change the pronunciation of the word to how when is this or how dumb is this. I try not to think about stuff too deeply, which I am told is what happens if you think about things too deeply. So maybe I already did. I have to go burn down the house six years ago. You want anything? I don't know how Lou, you do it. That's the very use of the time machine that's caused our current problems. What current problems? You seem to be the only person who doesn't really notice how wrong or weird and different the world is. Doesn't that seem odd? I guess the world has to be a perfect place for somebody. I guess that person is me. Or that things are starting to center around you. No, I wouldn't allow that. I don't like things to center around me. Very shy. Don't want attention. Don't even want to sit at the center of a restaurant or in the center field at a ball game. Be that as it may, it is June, but go ahead. Things have changed in a way that seemed to conform with your sometimes unconventional take on the world. Don't know what that means. Pretty sure I don't have a take on things. If I accidentally have an opinion, I'm sorry, but that's, that's just not me. I don't know how you do it. Is everyone gone now? Just the listeners? Hi, listeners. This is the Lou Register Show. Always has been. The Miracle of Birth.
you're lost. I'm not lost. Well, why are we wandering? Sometimes there is no straight path. Wandering is really what it's all about. What's the difference between being lost and wandering? Well, while we're wandering, we're also looking for ways to get out. So we're doing two things at once. So just try to be in the moment, but also try to anticipate future moments where we're starving and we die. So try to use that to motivate you to take these present moments and A, trying not to panic, which takes a lot of energy, and then B, let's casually look for a way out, but let's not actively do it. You're lost and you're leading people. Well, I'm not leading anyone. You are. You led me into the forest. You have listeners, but you don't know where you're going and you don't know where you've been. That's true. And you're trying to make that be spiritual. You're not a wizard. You're just a, you know, that's a bathrobe. It is a bathrobe. It's all whimsical. Oh, Wizard of Oz taught us that to be a fraud or a charlatan is sort of endearing because you can put a thought in someone's head and then when they get concussed, you're their god. But you're not really. You represent some. I don't even know what you represent. I don't know. Am I an Oz figure? I think I am, in a way. People say Hardy. Uh, you know, you're on the radio. Therefore, Oz-like, you must have some sort of power. What would that be? Well, maybe you know something. Well, I think saying I don't, only someone who knows something would say they don't. But I really am that fella in, uh, I'm not even selling snake oil. I'm not even smart enough to sell. I'm giving away snake oil. I'm losing money on snake oil, which is pretty amazing. Imagine that. It's just uh, being be like I'm on TV. I'm using all my money to give away sort of like, like pocket fishermen or something that you don't need. You say you don't need it, but I still, I was heavily invested in that. And all of that, a lot of KTEL items I went all in, Ronco stuff I went all in on. There was a combination for a while where the, the Ronco uh, stud and rhinestone setter was also a record player. So that you could, you could listen to the great compilations because they would, you know, don't, you don't want to buy the whole album of, of this because... Uh, um, Green Tambourine's the only good song on it or something. So let's we put it on this fun album. Just fun hippie hits, it's called. But you can also do other things with it. You can go fishing with it, and such was the genius of Ron Papil. He was like my generation's Edison. And so that's why I might mention it a lot. And then studs and rhinestones on everything. Can you imagine putting them on anything you want? Any item of clothing. On the outside, don't make the mistake I did. I go, I'm going to have rhinestone underwear. Golly gosh. I made a lot of spiritual headway, though. It's so funny, all that, that old school hair, you know, horse hair suits and everything. or Not suits, but the shirts and everything. But being in a state of discomfort, you go, yes, it's enlightening. I do it now with a bad back, I, uh, back spasm, and then my spirituality I'll become even more pious just through going oh I don't know if suffering I've I've witnessed now a lot of suffering not to me I've had some but not some people have really I got to give credit and uh, you say well does it build anything like character or, well so many of them are dead that had the really the strong stuff so I don't know how about a little bit of suffering, like exercise and everything? That's okay. Is that suffering, though? I don't know. Sometimes it's good to feel a little discomfort. How do we know the difference between discomfort and pain? Well, I don't know uh, because I'm not sure because of hyperbole, which has gotten into everything. So I'm really not sure how to communicate things. And I know that a lot of times people's pain is discounted. Or there's this a fear that people are, are saying they're in more pain than they are and they're getting away with something. And that's always very interesting to me. You know, Come on, you know, suck it up. So uh, I, don't, I don't, since I don't really know you, and since you don't work for my uh, sweatshop where we make vests, then I'm not going to really ever say anything like that. I have nothing, I have the luxury of having patience and compassion for you. 
because uh, you're not making money for me. What was the movie I saw? Oh, I watched uh, an Inspector Calls. I watched a performance of the play because I'm, I'm doing something that involves that playwright. It's a big secret. I do things, a lot of things I do are a big secret. I always tell that to my, what are you working on now, Hardy? Oh, that's a big, it's a big secret. And the reason I say that is because the number one human fear is that you told somebody about a prospective job too early. So you know what I mean? Um, I was like, I happened to me one time. I was like, hey, everybody, I'm going to be on the reboot of Canon. And it never happened. And, uh, or some wonderful show like that. I would that'd be exciting. So, as someone raised in in TV on TV, watching it, it must be a real rush for those who get to are then on it and they go, "I'm on it, I'm in it." Like you know, I feel that way with Heaven too. Like, I've read so much about Heaven; it's going to be weird to be in it. But television is harder to get into than Heaven. Uh, it's hard to get in there, hard to get on there, and and stay on there, and and. But, um, you know, all my life, I know this is weird, a lot of people aren't like that, but all my life I've wanted to be bothered in airports, and I'm not. My airport experience is so smooth. I just feel like the anonymity and the everything, ugh, ah, failure. So I would love it if people stared at me. They do, but they stare at me because usually I have some fashion thing wrong, like super wrong. I think it's cool, you know, but it's just the super wrong sneakers or wrong hat. Or now the thing with the vests, my vests that I'm, I'm investing in vests because I think vests or dress vests are coming back, as you know. And I thought they would be great in just a variety of materials. And I don't mean fabrics. I mean all sorts of things, tin. But it's just not working out. Some of them are heavy. The slate ones are too heavy for people. And I just think people were, pardon the pun, hardier. Back in the day when they could wear things that were literally leaden and just walk around like that. Gold, you'd think people would want up to be a, wear a gold vest, solid gold vest, but I put one on them and then tell them the price tag and they go, both, it's a hindrance. I go, well, you can work out with it. Do push-ups. You're always wanting to get in shape and everything. Can you imagine having a gold-weighted vest to do your pull-ups in? Man, you won't want to die then. Then you'll never die and up. Never dying. Boy, the rich have been trying to never die for a long time. It never quite works. It hasn't worked yet. I wonder if one of them will pull it off, though, you think. I don't know. You know, you don't know. The, 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 the closest you can come, well, you can think I'm making this is stupid, but the closest any billionaire has come to reaching immortality is Scrooge McDuck. And you say, well, that's not a real person i go what is what's real you know uh the ability to affect other people's lives to cause things you know a lot of things uh you know if 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 in my memory scrooge mcduck is doing the same things as a as a human then in my memory that's a you know the in the past it's all real you know it's uh, uh, things that are imaginary can have real impact. It's strange, but it's true. You know, and uh, a lot of people think that with religion. You know, a lot of people walking around with a whole pantheon of figures that are real to them, that are important, that are doing things in their lives that are to other people imaginary. And, and that is, uh, isn't that great? No, is it? I don't know. I don't know much. I do know this, my friend, that when people I love, and I do love people, oh my goodness, I like to, uh, I love my friends and family and everything, and I like to help and be needed, and that's about as much as I can really count on, is uh, that's how it's going to, all, all, everything else, all the details I can't predict, but I know that I have, uh, I'm going to continue to love and do the small things of just being there for people when the big things hit. And so, you know, people get sick. People have hardship and everything. That's all the great stuff. It isn't all glamorous. It isn't all... You say, you're in show business, Hardy. It must be glamorous all the time. It's not always um, the red carp. 
and I don't mean red carpet. I mean we have an expression. It's called to you know to catch the red carp, which is this mystical fish, this mystical uh, sort of koi, who lives in a pond. And you journey into the, the very heart of the forest, and then there's a clearing, and there's a fish, beautiful fish pond, and in the fish pond is this red koi, this red carp. And what that red carp represents, I'll tell you what it represents before I go back to the literal story, is a moment, maybe the best moment of your life. But it's a moment, and sometimes it's embedded. And what's going to be frustrating to you is like, just like when you find something valuable in a dream, you can't pry it out and bring it with you. So the red carp always stays where it is and you only see it the once. And then you dream about it for the rest of your life. You dream about it before you see it and after you see it. Is that any good? No. Get that out of your head. That's what I try to do. I try not to have that to take a moment and make it like that, where it overshadows and haunts the rest of my moments. There's a quality to them that I love. And it's, I can see it even in painful moments sometimes. You know, I've, there have been in situations where you're uh, maybe with people that are grieving or something, and it's not like it's joyful, but there's a a feeling to it of a memorableness or of, of some power or some goodness. And you, you feel that and you go, this is, what it's, this is what it's all about is experiencing that, I think. And I'm not going to make up magical, weird creatures to pursue and that will haunt me. And so I have no dreams of greatness. I have no nightmares of failure. That's a lie, but there's nothing I can do about it. I don't have them on purpose. And they're a weird kind of failure. You know, <clears throat> they're not one that I'm, uh, you, you know, it's not consistent. Categories. Names of third stooges. Shemp, Curly, Joe Basser, Curly Joe Dorita, Emil Sitka. Now wait, wait, that one's debatable. They never filmed anything with him as a third stooge, I don't think. Start over. All right. Categories. Names of George Orwell novels. The Clergyman's Daughter. Coming up for air. Down and out in Paris and London. Now wait, wait, is that a novel or is that nonfiction? Oh, for Pete's sake, this is stupid. I just want to make sure we're following the rules. Oh, I love rules. When I'm trying to have fun, make some more rules so I can have loads of fun. Now, Butchie, we have to have rules. How will we know who wins? Just look for the person who isn't humiliated and crushed by loss and that's your winner. Hey, would you mind stepping outside with me to talk instead of in the lobby? Would that be cool? All right, all right, let's, let's head outside the time. I'm sorry. It's good to see you. You look good. All right, just through here. I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I know it's crazy, but I, you don't know who's listening in there. I wanted to be able to talk at a normal volume. Listen, I would like to tell you uh, the meaning of life. And so, not the meaning of life, like it's not in a sentence or anything like that. A, a meaning. Or meaning in life. That's what I meant to say. I meant to say, I wanted to tell you about what we mean by meaning. Something being significant. And uh, it has to do with the perceived past. So I'm going to say
The dumbest thing I ever did was a friend and I decided to take a rocket ship and blast off into space. <clears throat> I think we were going to one of the planets. And we, we got, we spent a lot of time building the ship. We went to, back then we had Radio Shack and you could get a lot of the stuff there. And a lot of it we got at appliance places. You'd be surprised. But we made this thing and it was very comfortable. And there was seats from an Audi. And we blasted off into space. And, you know, we got there and we're pulling away from the Earth. And it's all very exciting. We wanted an adventure and an adventure we got. We're pulling away from the Earth. And both of us suddenly got so scared and cold, not physically cold, but just we realized that our lives had been ripped out of context, that everything that mattered was was gone, that we were far away from the canvas on which we were painted, as if the Mona Lisa, the paint had just levitated off the canvas, and now it was just kind of floating, and it wasn't really a picture anymore, because it didn't have anything to give it context. It wasn't in any space that mattered where it belonged. You know, it'd be like a just a sprout, a floating plant and so you go oh, that's that's uh, all but dead and abd that's what that means and you'll hear a lot of academics talking about that say i'm all but dead you know when they're studies and we just felt so like we had made the hugest mistake just being ripped away from a parrot or something is what it felt like a thousand million times over and um then I was like, well, we're here and we have this dehydrated food. Let's eat. Let's just eat away this, this emptiness, this existential emptiness that we have. We'll eat it away. We'll snack it away. And back then what we had a lot was these, these dried up breakfast bar sticks. And they were the astronaut food. They were all over. You could get them anyway. Carnation made them. And they, what they tasted like was protein powder that had been rolled up with Sculpey or something like that. And you eat one of those and it dries you out good. So then we had some of our purified urine, and uh, which is another thing that we have out in space. So many things that didn't mention on Star Trek. And, you know, you never... Not, here's a funny thing about... You've seen Star... I've seen Star Trek. You've seen Star Trek and you, you, you can kind of close your eyes and see what the... It looks like the hallways and the and the bridge and everything. Yes, but you and you can hear it. You can hear the sounds. You know, um, what you can't do is smell it. No one ever mentions what it smells like. No one ever says, "Hey, I smell." No one ever met. There is no dimension of smell there, and you wonder what it really smells like. It could be. It could be profound. Could you imagine going there as a real Star Trek Enterprise and you go on it and you go, oh, wow, it smells like like plastics or something. Really, oh, it's overwhelming. I'm gagging. Or it smells like, you know, I mean, the, maybe the waste system isn't work, never works right. You know, we, oh, it recycles the waste into Cincinnati-style chili, but sometimes it doesn't work right or something like that. So it, gets, it smells like both. And that, that could be what's going on. That's the smell of offices, basically. Microwaves make that. If you microwave meat, you get office. That's what it smells like. People do that. Oh, what are you having? Everything smells like, like beefaroni. They heat up some beefaroni with nuclear, and that's the future. That's what, everybody's, that's what it smells like. probably smells like that, I think. I don't know what it, I forget what it runs on. I used to know all the Star Trek stuff. Um, I had to know it as a, as a young person because I thought, what if this is the literal future? You know, I need to study what's going on because I might have to crawl inside a Jeffers tube or one of those things. I want to know how matter, antimatter propulsion works because I could get a job. You don't get, I mean, not like a good, you know, still, even the entry level person. The person that maybe is carrying some antimatter still has to know quite a bit. Like, don't drop it. 
And you can learn that from studying things like that. All my survival stuff is Gilligan-related. And, um, yeah, I think that I, I look at Gilligan now. I'd like to do it, uh, revisit Gilligan. But this time, they've got all this tactical stuff that we're carrying anyway. Like, they're all kind of, they're all sort of like preppers. So they all had this stuff with them. Just like endless, just yards and yards and yards of like parachute cable rope stuff they've got it in uh, woven into everything all their clothes are made of it i don't know if you know what this stuff is it's like it's like this survival rope thin survival rope and you make it a macrame bracelet and then if something happens you say i unravel this parachute cord and i can use it to fish or to choke an enemy out or i don't know what you know tie my, my, my foot gets cut off i can tie a nice tourniquet i mean it's string who doesn't need string when you're out you know so uh they'll have that they'll have all the clothes will be waterproof and everything like that they'll have all sorts of blades countless 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 sorts of axes and all sorts of blades which will come in really handy when they're making stuff on the island they'll have water purification kits they'll have uh whole vats of dried stuff that will last for years and years and years. This way, the series can concentrate on the stories, the real meat of the stories is not distracted by all these details of survival because I don't know if you, when I would watch it, I would worry. And this takes that away, say, this, nothing's going to happen to these people because they are survivors. They're tough. So, um, the only one who came close to doing that, I guess, was Mr. Howell. He brought, like, a steamer trunk of money. Didn't he? Something like that? Am I misremembering it? I think he did. And then um, they also had, a, in my mind, I don't think this happened, but, like, all this time goes by before they find out that the Howells have a servant. No, that didn't happen. That, that They've been hiding him every night successfully in the trunk. And they're going, no, you can't, you have to tell everybody. That person can't be. And it was a really, it was a nice episode because it explored a lot of class stuff. And, you know, is, he, is this person one of us or does he belong to the house? You know, of course not. Of course, he's an equal. And everybody's equal on the island. You can't have your own servant like that. So that was a really, that was a strong episode. And then they all sang which is fun. I don't know. There's some stuff that's so... Back, back in the day, a lot of things were just so crazy because they were they didn't know they were bad. And I think nowadays they do things differently. So you could really have... A lot of it was just chance. And that is some magic that doesn't happen now because people are more savvy. You know, they something isn't going to get on television and you go, this is just... This is like being on drugs. That's what a real, if some of you can get somebody who's really tone deaf about entertainment or something like that, you can produce a thing that is just transcends what, you know, you can really get if you concentrate and you think about it. It's like that, you know, uh, just a naive art brute approach to things can really, you know, cinch it. And I would argue that a lot of things that just feel really classic are extraordinarily bad. And I guess everybody knows that. And they knew it at the time. But then you always, always become nostalgic for things that are, that are awful. Like I had this caretaker named Baloo. And he was a type of bear, South Asian bear. And uh, took care of me in the woods. And irresponsible. But, you know, I loved him. I loved Baloo. And he cared for me, and he taught me to eat bugs and everything, which is not what you do to children and everything. But, you know, my affection for him, no one's going to talk me out of it, you know? He's a flawed person. So what? I love him. He cared for me and loved the people who love you are not always perfect. And sometimes they're 
drunken. I don't know. It was implied that he was. Is Baloo supposed to be drunk in Jungle Book? I don't know why I assumed he is, but all the old, older gentlemen I knew as a young person who talked like that were. Yeah, how you doing? You all right? A lot of them were really nice. <laughs> that sounds like, uh, sound like David Letterman doing an old person. But that's how that older fellas that drank and smoked a lot always, some of them were very kind and nice, but they always, I just remember old old men looking at you with uh, kind of drunken eyes and uh, mean and well. And like, you're, you're, you're a child. Something like that, and you go, yeah, thank you. You like you like sports or school or pencils? Yes. All right, good for you. Here's a dollar. And I used to like that. I I don't know. God bless. I hope there's not that many drunken people as there used to be. I'm sure there is. But those TV shows where they show everybody at work blasted. I I mean, I was young, but I think that's true. I'm pretty sure. I do remember just a lot of people reeking of booze, like barbers and things like that. And I don't know that that's done as much now. So I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's bad. I guess it's bad, you know. I'm not being nostalgic. Remember when pilots were drunk or something? That's not, there's nothing nostalgic about that. But I am always uh, surprised, you know. The past keeps changing for me as I open my eyes open, as I you know, move forward in life. And you look back and you go, well, now, hey, now, I think I got some things wrong. I misremember them. They were misrepresented to me a lot of times. That's the thing, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but a lot of things I was just taught wrong. And then you learn later that things are a little different than you, than you realized. And you think, well, how many other things that I know are wrong? And then you think, no, nothing I know is wrong. I'm right about everything. No, no I, don't, I don't ever go there, but some people do. I th- I think well I'm that's a if that's a given then I need to to live my life with my my eyes maybe a little wider open maybe I need to pay attention more I think I'm on auto drive too much It's funny it's just like, oh there're going to be cars that are auto drive self driving and I'm thinking I got enough not to do I've been uh Everything has been of value, Every has been liberated, I've been liberated from. So I have no, I, I do not participate in my own survival, really. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. Well, you know, I mean, it's been uh, kind of robbed of me, too. I would like to participate in my own survival. So uh, let me know when I can get back to doing that. And there's less self-everything of I'm right over here. Can I start a little thing with my friends? No. So that's that's problematic too. Or I'd be doing that. Because I every once in a while I have an idea for a nation state, and I'll go, no, that's crazy. I'm never going to go. It starts as a land co-op, and then you know how it works. It's just things build from there. Here's here's what happens. This is what happened with my. So I had a land co-op. And everything is fine, and you're all anarchists and and collectivists for a while, and then it kind of grows, and then um, you get people get lazy, and they go, you know what? I mean, all oh, there's so many rules, and we got laws, and we're always meeting. Why don't you just do it? You know, it seems like Ted likes to do it. Just let Ted run everything, and then they crown Ted king. And that, and then it goes from there. And then it just keeps going. It keeps going downhill. Um, and then it gets bigger, and you don't even know. I've never even met Ted. Apparently, he runs everything. So I don't. I don't even try that anymore. So now I just I try to jump around. You know, from place to place, and uh, sell them uh, band instruments. I'd love to do that. Is that not as much of a thing as it was in the Music Man? I stole that idea for a con, but I don't think that would work now. Go, what you all need is a band. Oh, no, we don't. What could you sell them? Guns. Music Man's but with guns. What you all need is a militia. Militia right here in River City. All sorts of armament they don't need. Stuff that's nonsensical. I could come up with some great like nonsensical 
bomb throwing things or I know I could weapons I would make up all sorts of weapon I would sell them all sorts of Klingon battle axes and stuff like that and uh, prey upon their fears no you know what that doesn't sound like me it doesn't sound like me does it if I was going to come to town and fool people what would I fool them into doing Oh, I don't know, singing in a big field or something. Um, farming. Accidentally, they'd all, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? And they realize they've been planting things and, and farming and working together. What else would I fool them into doing? I don't know, theater, my own plays, probably. That's the greatest con. I wish I could do that one I would do. Cause that doesn't seem as bad. I think there's cults and everything. I don't want to be a cult leader. But talking people into doing your plays, like but like you a play that you wrote, like and you're producing, is like amazing. I wish I had that. I don't know whether you need. I think you got to drug people, or I, I don't have that letter. I think you need to be a psychopath, but I think you can also learn how to do it. And that's what I would like to take those confidence courses. They used to have more of them, assertiveness training. They'd call it in the '70s, and they'd get a room full of people. And it would all be like kind of, you know, 50s types that um, from the 1950s and it'd be in the 70s. And they'd go, you need to loosen up. You're too uptight. And they would teach them how to scream and cry and be babies. And, uh, you know, oh, we couldn't before because we were embarrassed around our parents who were fighting World War II. No, it's okay. Don't. It's okay to scream and cry. And be assertive and go, I want my, like that, or something. I don't know much about it. I don't lead people in things, not even singing. Um, I was trying to sing this REM song in the shower, and I just kept, I just, uh, it just kept modulating it. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I was like, imagine, what if I was leading people in song and they were following me? And we just kept, and we modulated a song until we were, I don't know, until it just achieved like a shepherd's tone. And thought, oh, what is it building towards? An enormous drop. I do that. I'm like, I do a sort of dubstep, except it, it isn't a sound thing. I work towards something intellectually, and then there's space. And then the drop, and the drop is always the message, and the message is always, I tell you what, if you open your heart up, if you make yourself vulnerable, you will gain a certain type of strength, and that is the strength of understanding the universal, understanding everyone's struggle. You know, putting yourself and saying, oh my goodness, I'm a, I'm a fool, I'm weak, I'm vulnerable, and I understand the struggle of others, and I want to uh, cooperate and, and work with them. And I know that I will learn, look foolish just the way I do when I'm learning to speak a foreign language. It's impossible to learn to speak a foreign language unless you put yourself out there and you look a little stupid. And I'm telling you, when you open your heart, you might look a little foolish and you might look a little vulnerable, but you absolutely have done the Obi-Wan Kenobi thing where you just drop that sword, drop that damn lightsaber, throw it away. It ain't going to do what you think it's going to do. You're not protecting yourself or others by chopping down this thing. You're not going to ever chop down the real enemy because it isn't any, in any one Sith. It's not in any one bad guy. It lingers here. It jumps from person to person. It makes bad guys. That's what you want to battle, and you can't use a lightsaber for that. That is something that uh, is on the, uh, the ineffable plane, you know. So put that away. Open yourself up. We're going to let ourselves uh, be wide open and let all that, the power that we have experienced whenever we have felt love, even in a small way. If you crave it, if you crave love, that's because you probably felt it or you wouldn't know what you were craving. Got a little taste, one more. Oh, I want you to open your heart. We become, we will uh, rise and fix. You want to fix the fix the world with me? It can't be done. Well, now it can't because you said that. But let's just let's uh, let's forge ahead. Perhaps we have not tested our power. 
You know, what if, what if I, I, I use it and it's colossal? So I'm trying and I want to rise up. Oh, rise up with me. Oh, here we are. We're floating together. How do we do that? Each other, each other, believing in one another. We all rise up like that. Can you imagine that? You're doing that to me and you're doing it to me. That's why it's happening. It's the Ben paradox. I like you. You like me. We love one another. And then we transcend. And we're going to do it. And we're going to bring the, uh, the fight, the, the enemies that dwell in the minds of humans. They aren't the humans. They dwell in the minds of humans. In their imaginary world, we're going to go in their worlds, into their dreams. They're like intercepts and, and go in there and fix the dreams and make the dreams better with love. Oh, thank you for joining me. I am Hardy White, and you are listening to Miracle Nutrition on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County in New York City, New York, and online worldwide, WFMU.org. Thank you for joining me, and I will see you, my friend, next week.